Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of The Driven Few with Al Hamid, where we align with those driven individuals to really get under the hood and learn as to how they get it all done with family and business. I am, of course, your host, Al Hammond, and I am blessed to work alongside those high-performing leaders, coaching them how to dive in and get it all done, selling as a leader in their business, in their family, and in their faith. All right, guys, this is going to be an awesome two, maybe even three-part episode. Just invested about two and a half to three hours with a gentleman that is near and dear to my heart and really did some tactical, practical deep dive into what the four-quarter system is, the tactical, practical, and how to apply it in your life, the what, and then the why. A little bit about my story as to how it came to fruition. You'll also hear a little bit from a gentleman that is a personal friend of mine. Again, like I shared, near and dear to my heart. It's also an individual that I happen to be blessed to coach on a weekly basis. So he is very, very well blessed and versed as it pertains to the four-quarter operating system. So you'll hear Dakota Ennis come on and share his thoughts about how utilizing this system really helped him uplevel his life, both as an entrepreneur and as a top 10 in the nation sales associate for his respective scope. So without further ado, let's dive in, guys. Long time coming for this one, guys. Some of you haven't noticed, I've received quite a few DMs asking when the next podcast episode of The Driven Few is going to be released. And here we are. So I will say... As we preface this and get into this episode, the reasons for, I want to say necessarily the delay in releasing an episode is I'm not that guy, as many of you know, that's just going to drop an episode just to be able to push content out every week, every other week to be able to hit an arbitrary deadline to hit some metrics or something of that nature. So I want to be able to align with those individuals that really edify what the Driven View is about. And if that takes me a couple of days, a couple of weeks based on my schedule or their schedule to do so through that alignment, then that's what we'll do. So I say that to say today's episode is actually something that has been about a month in the making, legitimately attempted to do this. This is second or third attempt now by the grace of God. So I'm praying and believing that this one is going to come to fruition. But we put some insight into this, into studying the content and how to produce and articulate the content to convey that to the listener to where it's well-packaged and makes sense and not just some verbal vomit that we know is going to serve folks, but but is really just going to be all over the place and kind of where to start. So the topic of today's content or the subject matter of today's content is the four-quarter operating system. So traditionally, you know, I'm one to rip an episode in my truck with truck talk and just spit something that comes off of my heart or my head and then occasionally align with a guest or intentional with aligning. So today's a little bit of both. For those of you that are watching and can see this, I am in my office today, as you can see by the signage behind me. And I also have one of my most favorite people on this earth aligned with us today. So I will intro him here in a second. But before we start and really dive in and get real, a couple of things that uh, that are on my heart regarding this. So it is presumptuous of me or anybody that follows me on any kind of social platform or has listened to anything about Driven View. It's presumptuous of me to believe that anybody and everybody that listens understands what the four-quarter operating system is or what that's even about. So I've received a litany of DMs, messages across the board through coaching applications, things of that nature, just looking for more information. So it's it's been a long time coming where we wanted to strategically convey as to what that is, 
So today's content is going to be real and raw. This may end up being a two, three part episode, given the, the amount of time and the, and the topics that we want to cover. So I say that to say, I'm going to speak from my heart. I'm legitimately going to give you this information. And this is the same information that my consulting clients, be it with their businesses or themselves individually, legitimately pay me for. You know, guys, this isn't rocket science. This isn't like something that's absolutely unequivocally proprietary information and we got to protect the intellectual property. No, it's a collection in a series of data and systems and insight that I've personally pieced together through countless hours of investing time, effort, energy, thousands and thousands of dollars through alignment and mentorship to be able to learn how the ultra high achieving, those dudes that run multiple businesses, you see them all the time, they're in peak physical, mental shape, and they're at the soccer field with their their kids or next day at a board meeting and then again at dance practice. And you think, how does this dude get all of that done? Like it just can't be real. So I invested a great deal of time, effort and energy in researching, you know, genius leaves clues. What is it that these quote unquote geniuses are doing? What is it that they're doing that I can do to duplicate, to be able to produce some of that fruit? So encouraging you to, if those of you like me, I listen to most of my podcasting or audible while I'm either in the gym or in front of a windshield and there's nothing wrong with that. So I encourage you that if you listen to this the first or even the second time through, be intentional about giving yourself an opportunity to be able to sit down and take some notes because I'm not going to tell you this is the greatest thing ever and the information you're about to hear and listen is going to change your life. But I absolutely unequivocally am going to tell you it did change mine. And I believe that the gentleman that is that is also here with us uh, can speak to that as well. Uh, and I know that there's from my heart of hearts, there's a litany of coaching clients that we're able to help and serve this year in the 2021 calendar year that would also speak, validate and edify that as well. So my gift, so to speak, the proverbial gift as we go into the holiday season here is to be able to really help just one person. So there's just one dude, one dad, one female, one mom, one somebody somewhere that just takes one bit, one piece, one gold nugget of this information and it helps serve them where they can move their business from six to seven or seven to seven, multi-seven or whatever that threshold is for you and do that while sowing seeds of legacy into being the best dad or the best mom or the best husband or wife that you can be and learn how to legitimately live in the world of the end. That's what this is for. That's what I was looking for, have been looking for, for over a decade and really didn't have that one-stop solution, so to speak, that fit for me. And I'm not saying that this is going to be that cookie cutter solution that's going to fit for the masses or a myriad of the masses, but I believe that there's going to be one person that will listen to this and understand how impactful that this can be for their life. So encouraging you to give yourself the opportunity to review this and just take some notes because I'm going to give you the tactical practical of the how, the who, the why behind how this came to fruition, the what, if anything, to even give yourself 10 to 15 minutes of schedule intentionality a day to where you can sow into yourself and fill your own cup without having to feel guilt of the outside or the internal pressures of your world or your family saying, hey, how dare you take 15 minutes for yourself? And at the same point in time, do that to where you can do that for each one of your kids or your spouse and be able to just take 15 minutes a day and not feel guilty and learn how to sew into that. 
So finally, I alluded to this a bit earlier, the gentleman that is here, and I'm going to go ahead and bring him in and introduce him. His purpose is meant to really help edify and validate. So those of you that have met me in real life know that I hang my hat on being real. So the last thing that I ever want is to be able to say, okay, this works for Al, or this works for Al's clients, or my life isn't that way, or I don't own a business, or, or, or whatever the case may be, where somebody comes in and just says, I can't align or relate to what it is that he's saying, so it's not for me. So the objective here is to take someone candidly and put them essentially in a hot seat. The gentleman that's on the inner line of this loan has no idea what questions that I'm about to ask them because I did not ask him those questions. I wanted this to be a real, raw, and organic, heartfelt conversation. Now, granted, I have the ability to edit out anything that he may say that's otherwise negative and never introduce him back to the show again. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Ish. I digress. I say that to say, personally, guys become one of my best friends, near and dear to my heart. I chat with him at least once a week, multiple times via text message and several phone calls. Outside of that, this gentleman was someone for me when I first started coaching, air quote, or got into the coaching space. That wasn't something where I actually had an intentional, an intentional, grandiose game plan behind, hey, you know, this is something on my heart where I want to be able to go and help other people. That was something that I just kind of organically fell into just through conversation based on, hey, man, I've, I've gone through some of that stuff before, dude. And this is kind of what I did. I can't tell you that it's the best thing, but this is what I did. And through that, formed an organic relationship and a belief system to piece together a system or a series of systems that I was able to build and expand into a lifestyle. So I say that to say Dakota Ennis is one of the individuals that when I very, very first started in my coaching arena, my coaching realm, uh, that A, believed enough into me to say, hey, bro, I believe in you as an individual and the content and the subject matter that you're talking about. And I want to get to know you more and understand the fruit of your life and how, how can I bear that in my own life? And as I prefaced at the beginning of this, Dakota is somebody that I still am blessed by the grace of God to sow into a coach every week, but he's also someone now that has transitioned from coach to consultant. So he is also, I got to say, easily as equally as well-versed into the systems associated with the four-quarter operating system that allow and afford you the ability to live in the end and play Tetris with your time. They do it as ninja level with it. And it's because of that I've sought him and brought him into my organization, that being the four-quarter organization, to be able to really help drive and scale because we're not in a position now where I can do it all myself. So that stated, without further ado, Dakota Ennis. Welcome, brother. Appreciate you, man. Thank you, Al. It's so great to be here. Like you mentioned before, I've tried multiple times, uh, not tried, but attempted uh, multiple times to do this. And there's just been multiple things, internet connection issues, hotspot, truck talk. So I'm glad we can finally get together and do this. Man, I just want to start off by saying thank you for your mentorship as well. And you coaching me this past year. It's been an incredible year of growth and development. And I'm super excited to share, you know, the four quarter operating system with everybody else here. A little bit of my backstory, just so the listeners kind of know, I came from the Midwest, grew up in the Midwest, oldest of five, basically always wanted to play football when I was growing up. So that's what I did. I went down to Evangel University there in Springfield, Missouri, played 
you know, NAI football for a year and a half, ended up suffering a career ending shoulder injury, kind of shifted directions. I was a criminal justice major headed into the fire service. So I went through the fire academy, got my fire EMT, did the career route. And I would say, you know, that it was back in 2016, 17, when that really sparked my interest of personal development and growth and and how do I grow myself? Because with the fire service, there's always things you can sharpen your saw, whether that be hose lays or ladder throws or, you know, multiple different areas that you can improve yourself. And I, and I just, I started using that for other areas of my life. And one of those was business. So as you know, a lot of firefighters, you know, on the side, they'll own either some sort of construction business or their own a business on the side, as well as, you know, be a firefighter. So the intention for me originally was I'm going to own my own business on the side and continue firefighting. And so as I, you know, started reading and just personal development, jumped into some sales roles, uh, because I learned in a lot of the books and curriculum that I was reading that sales was one of the first places that a lot of successful people started. So that's the track that I wanted to get on. So I jumped into an entry-level sales job. Fast forward a few years later, currently live in Tacoma, Washington, married to my beautiful wife, Casey. My my 14-month daughter, Sage, is doing wonderful. I uh, love them both to death. And I'm proud to say that, you know, as of this year, I am successfully working as a security consultant for businesses. I run a company called Comfort Tactical and I'm able to do all that and be with my family every evening. And I give 100% credit to the four-quarter operating system. Come on, man. Well, I received that. But what what I will say, because I know Dakota and I know your heart, man. I know that you're you're a humble dude and you won't get on here and teach your horn. So I will. Firstly, uh, I received that. But the, the system in and of itself, man, isn't the result, brother. And that's one of the things that I want to make sure that that we communicate today is is that this isn't a result oriented where we can quantify the tangible results as the goal. We're not necessarily measuring the results, rather the execution, because we understand that if we take care of the minutes, the hours are going to take care of themselves. The hours take care of themselves. They take care of the days. The days take care of the weeks. The weeks take care of the months, so forth and so on. The next thing you know, Little by little, these habits that we start to stack put us in a position where we are obtaining our vision, obtaining our growth reactively by design, not default. And Dakota is the epitome of someone that does that. You know, he introduced himself a bit, I'll say sheepishly, knowing you, brother. Not only did he start out as a sales associate and then now is in a position that he is in with his organization, but he's within the top 10% of that sales associate or the sales within his organization and doing that while leading his family with a new 14 month old daughter, leading his family with a relatively new bride and while starting his own business organization that is producing funds from an ROI perspective, not necessarily even a cash flow perspective and still having the time to be able to be there with your family. And that's the epitome of checking the boxes and living in the hand. So part of the reason why connected and aligned with Dakota specific to this four quarter operating system is, man, the dude just gets it. Like you, you, you get it. Like you understand, like here's a system I can apply as much 
intensity or inertia as I want to it. And, and as long as I continue to put myself in a position where the system is balanced, I don't have to worry about feeling guilty missing Sage's first steps or worry about missing date night with Casey or worry about how do I take my brand new business from investing a great deal of funds in it and getting it out of the red into the black and then from the black to a six figure and then multi-six and then seven and so forth and so on. It's a system. So to that point, let's let's go ahead and dive in. And, and Dakota, I appreciate you, man. I love you and you love your heart. I'm glad that you're here, dude. And thank you for that share. But I want to talk a little bit about the why. And you kind of gave me a perfect softball into segueing directly into that and talking about sales. You know, when you talk about those of us that maybe weren't as astute as you uh, at a young, early developmental age that understood and realized the value add as associated with throwing yourself into sales, be it at an entry level position, because the reality of the situation is every person, every conversation that we have all the time, matter of factly, is a sale. This, what I'm saying right now, my belief system as it pertains to my perspective of sales is me selling you that this is a sale. You don't have to buy it, but that in and of itself is a sale. And once we realize that and then realize how to navigate that through the conversation, doorways open. I say that to say we can't have those doorways open and we can't be in a position to be able to realize that unless we have a system that prevents life's triggers from taking us out of that ability to realize. So I don't know about you guys, but there were not, I don't even want to say were, still multiple times in my life where if I get triggered, where I feel I've got this meeting, I've got this meeting, I've got this board meeting, I've got this client, this client needs to have this. I want to be able to have lunch with my wife. And at the same point in time, I got 57 job sites I'd be able to see. I get to be able to see by the grace of God. And then how I'm going to be able to do that and do this and still be able to go to Sophia's dance or be able to be there for, for soccer for Asher. And then you get into the manifestation of a belief system that if I can't do it today, I'll do it tomorrow. If I can't do it tomorrow, it turns into next week. And then you realize I'm never going to be able to do it. You create your own system of a belief system that no longer serves you or where you want to go because you are reactively trying to just show up for the best that you can be. How in that mindset do you ever get any downtime where you can practice thinking? And when I say practice thinking, I mean... You don't really even have an intentional thought process that you want to be able to come up with a solution. Meaning I'm here at A, I want to go to Z. How do I bridge the gap? You're not just thinking about anything in general either, but you give yourself a, a certain amount of time to practice thinking. And I say that to say in the sales arena, if you or the arena of life, which has the sales component associated with it, if you allow and afford yourself time, and this is something that I personally do, I'm not the strongest person. I never claim to be the smartest person or the fastest or the prettiest or insert here. But one of the things that I pride my hat on is you can bet your butt. I'm not going to quit. It does not matter. Like I will, whatever I got to do to be able to go that. But the one thing that I will continuously do is figure out a way to analyze and think. So like Michael Jordan practice free throws, Phil Heath practices bench press or whatever he does for bodybuilding or, or Bruce Lee practices karate, whatever you got to do to be that guy that gets you that 10,000th kick so you can become that proverbial master. That's what I do in terms of thinking. So I legit give myself a scheduled 15 minutes in the morning time to be able to give myself time to think. When you do that, it 
frees you and keeps you devoid of all the triggers. So you can keep yourself out of the triggers, out of a triggered state. So you allow yourself and afford yourself the ability, a timeline to be able to just set apart. This is where this system comes into place. If you don't have time to be able to do that, there may be a day a week or a day a month where you say, hey, I'm going to be able to get coffee today and just be able to set some time out to think and I can go through my schedule. And then all of a sudden you get a call from your mom that says, hey, everything's great. I would be able to have lunch. Can you have lunch today? So now you got to pick between the time that you had scheduled or be able to have lunch with your mom or whatever is of interest to you. So I want to dive back into and talk a little bit about this why and why this, this came to fruition for me personally. So again, one of the things that I've, I realized is I never really shared my story. You know, we talk about trials and tribulations. We talk about personal development. We talk about, um, wow, what is this four quarter operating system and how did this come to fruition? So outside of personal development, outside of career coaching or consulting, things of that nature, my primary scope of work in my business is I am a second generation luxury custom home builder based out of the Midwest by the grace of God. So a little bit about our organization. We build five, seven, maybe 10 homes a year and we cap our production at that. We are truly custom. When I say truly custom, we don't duplicate the same home twice, and that's mainly to protect the intellectual property rights of our clientele. So we have a series of systems that afford us the ability to standardize the protocol, the procedures, and the system while delivering a truly custom product offering. And it's about a 77-page document that we'll go through in terms of identifying and collaborating with clients on how to be able to go from A, this napkin drawing or a host of pictures that they have, to Z, this 10, 12, 15,000 square foot property of details that, that present those Pinterest pictures. So that's the end result. But to get there, I grew up in the organization, kind of the second generation. I've been in or around the job site since I was knee high to a duck. So I was kind of that kid that thought I was on the job site, pushing a broom, doing something positive. And really, I was probably just in everyone's way, just getting in the way. But I realized to having been on the job site for as long as I have, you pick up on, on the strategies and, and the systems and you understand who's there, the subcontractors, the names, you pick up on the nomenclature. So I went through that basically and worked with a different subcontractor, concrete, framing, mechanicals, flooring, you name it, essentially all through high school and in the better part of my undergrad. And then when I got out of undergrad or when I finished undergrad, I got out of the field and took my real estate license, became a real estate sales agent and then broker. Funny story there, I subsequently took it twice, which is really awesome. I owned, I'm digressing now, I won't even go there, but I'll just say I owned a wireless company at one time. I had a handful of Verizon Wireless and Sprint stores in West Texas. Thought I was gonna be out of the real estate arena. This is like 08, 09, 2010, somewhere around there. So I never really did these cool, awesome things they called continuing ed which is basically like, here, write me a check and just you know click this button on a computer for two hours to make sure that you still know what you're doing in real estate. So I never really did that. And when I came back from Texas and petitioned the state of Indiana that my 12, 12 years of real estate experience previous to that should otherwise afford me the ability to maintain my license. They went ahead and said, cool story, bro. That's a hard pass. So I went ahead and took the exact same real estate class with the exact same professor that taught me 12 years previous, only to take the test again and put myself in this position by the grace of God. But I digress. I realized coming out of grad school and then 
about that time, senior, my father was really looking to retire. He was kind of one foot in, one foot out. The market had really changed. You know, land acquisition was roughly 10% of your overall home price for the sake of this conversation. So, you know, if you're selling a half a million dollar home, you know, your land acquisition was roughly 45, 50, 55 K. Most of those were the best lots that you can buy. So a cul-de-sac lot, walkout, water view, things of that nature. Whereas land acquisition now in our in our local economy is probably three to four times that, and that doesn't scale in terms of the home price. So what dad realized and what we quickly realized is that, and this is again, probably 2010, 2011, somewhere around there, the market basically was sinking and some of our builder counterparts were changing their structure and their systems and essentially their product offering to be able to uh, bring a product to offer to market that wasn't otherwise compromised with, excuse my language, shitty materials. And that's not something that he wanted to do, nor was it something that, that I wanted to do. So when we took over the transition, and I'll time collapse this for the sake of conversation, I had seen and been a part of my dad growing the organization. And the back history and the story real quick here on my father was that he came from a country not speaking a word of English and met my mother at the age of 19. And again, for the sake of conversation and the time collapse here, was able to, by the grace of God and the sweat of his brow, bootstrap his way up into learning, establishing and running a multi-million dollar organization. And I saw that, I saw what it took. I saw him when I was four or five years old, building headers in front of a Honda Civic at night using the headlights to be able to pound the nails in with his hammer. I also saw him several years later now leading people and managing the systems that we needed to put into place from the office perspective and learned the art of effective task delegation. So I realized that here was my dad that epitomized the immigrant edge who came from literally nothing and built and led this multi-million dollar organization. Now here was I that had literally grown up in said organization with three degrees, two of them at the graduate level and two decades plus worth of experience taking over the reins. And you would think that I would be excited and ready to rock. And then I would say that there was parts of that where I was, but at the same point in time, I was absolutely unequivocally scared shitless because I realized that what my dad was able to do with nothing other than his testicular fortitude and gumption. And here I was with basically all of this laid out for me. Now what's my expectation? So I went to work and I became the builder. I became the realtor, the broker, the designer, the insert here. And I did whatever I had to do to get it done out of fear of letting my dad down. Candidly speaking, to be completely transparent, my motivation was not to make a dollar, a hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars, a hundred million dollars. No, it was I didn't want to let my dad down. I did whatever I could, fielded any phone call. And guys, when I say I fielded any phone call, there were times when I wanted to grow the business that I was so matter of fact and being intentional and making sure that my clients understood and knew how much they were of value to me 
that I would field a phone call or take a text message in the middle of a birthday party. And when I say in the middle of a birthday party, I mean in the middle of legit, we're singing happy birthday and I'm, hang on a second, babe, I got to take this call because I don't want my physician client who has researched and done everything that he needs to do with his client to be able to show up for his clients and then is now showing up for his family. And then after that, now wants to have conversations about building his house. And I want to be able to facilitate those conversations so I can earn that business. And I did that by the grace of God. And I did it very, very well for the better part of a decade or so I thought. And it earned me the level of success, quote unquote, the proverbial level of success with the amount of zeros that I had or wanted in my bank account. But it also afforded me the ability to realize the cost that it came at. And that was certainly the cost of the relationship with my children, cost of the relationship with my wife, and very much the cost of relationship with God. And because of God and the grace of God, it wasn't ultimately the cost. My kids are still with me. My wife is still with me. And I got to believe God is absolutely still with me. But I realized and recognized that once I hit the proverbial target, after I started having a little bit of success, meaning I sold a first home or two or three, I realized, hey, these are the systems that I needed to do based on what dad had already done. I had proven, quote unquote, to myself and my dad that I wasn't just going to flop because you hear all the time, hey, here comes Junior. Junior's going to take over the business. And then what happens is you get that like awkward period between when the son takes over the business, when dad retires, and when there's a little bit of success in the future, because nobody knows what the son is going to do. Is it going to be that kid that just has a little bit of success and takes the business and just runs it into the ground? And you don't even want to deal with him because he's such an arrogant ass. Or is this guy the guy that's like, hey, yeah, got a great head on his shoulders, great attitude. He's feeling your phone calls. He's a communication guy. He's got great expectations. That's the guy that I wanted to be. And I wanted to make sure that everybody in the world knew that. And I did that very, very well. But again, like we shared, it came at a cost. By the grace of God, I realized it wasn't too late. But I, I'm not even going to sit here and BS and act like I, I was the one that came up with some epiphany and had some grandiose moment on, hey, you know what? First goal was to make dad proud. Check the box on that. Second goal is to make a hundred grand. Did that. Third goal is to make a million dollars. Roger that. Now what? Now what? Now my four-year-old daughter is 12. My four-year-old son is 19. My youngest son is eight years old. My wife and I have been together for going on a decade by the grace of God. And I realized, first of all, what's the next target? And I say this in context, not to be braggadocious about the amount of dollars, whether my next target is to start a new company and earn 50 grand or 100 grand a year, or to continue to scale Hammond Homes into in a multi-seven and eight-figure organization. That's a component of my definition of success. But it took me to hit a wall. And that wall was faced to adrenal fatigue. I didn't even know what the heck adrenal fatigue was. I didn't even know cortisol issues were a thing. I knew, okay, I've come out of the bodybuilding industry. I've been weightlifting or whatever for 20 plus years. So I understand, can't work out every day. Can't weight train every day. You got to eat, you got to rest, you got to come up for air. But I also understand like, hey, if I want to blow off some steam, I'm going to go to the weight room. So for me, what I started doing was my industry doesn't afford me the ability to, to go to the weight room 7, 30, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock in the morning. I mean, it can but those are also the same times when you want to be able to meet with your subcontractors, your vendors, and be able to get them going. So there's an opportunity cost for you. So I chose, hey, I don't want to be that guy. 
So when am I going to go to the gym? Well, I'll go to the gym 5, 36, 7 o'clock at night. And that does two things, or at least I thought, like it gives me the time to be able to be there for my subcontractors and my vendors. And it also allows me and affords me the ability to blow off steam. So if I have a bad day, quote unquote, someone pisses me off, whatever the case may be, I can show up when I get home and not be in that state. The problem was the time when I was showing up. So I would go to the gym at 5.30 and 6.30 and 7 o'clock and I protect those gym sessions like I protect a nine o'clock board meeting. But when I get home then at 7 o'clock, 7.30, 8 o'clock, how much time did that afford me with my children? And where were they going to be at? Getting ready for bed and then for what? I'm out here grinding, so to speak, convincing myself that I'm moving the needle of life for them. Not for me, not for the zeros that I want in my bank account, but for them. For what? Then I realize I get 20 minutes to see them. And in those 20 minutes, I'm reading a story while they're brushing their teeth, doing a little bit of homework and hoping I get the same opportunity to do it again tomorrow. So I did that and I realized that I could maintain that, but my body couldn't. Well, dude, what does that even mean? Well, again, if I would be completely transparent here, as a male with vanity, you know, it came down to a bench press. I remember I used to be able to throw up 315 like it was nothing. And then it became like, I couldn't warm up when I was trying or I couldn't, my warm up weight was something that was, was a challenge for me. I'm being completely honest. Like there wasn't my family that was a driver. My wife came to me and said, hey, we're not getting enough time. None of that. It was me looking in the mirror saying, hey, my arms aren't filling the sleeves like I want to fill the sleeves. Real talk. And that afforded me the ability to take my butt into a meeting with a holistic physician to be able to understand. Because one thing I did not want, and this is no disrespect to any of the physicians listening to this, because I do believe that medicine plays a vital role. But for me, in that state of mind, in that current season, I did not want someone to arbitrarily prescribe me some sort of medication, take this, this will help you go to sleep and shut your mind off at night so you can get some sleep so you can wake up in the morning and blah, blah, blah. I don't want that. I wanted someone to do whatever it is that I needed to do to essentially right the ship that I felt was moving. And when I say that, it's like the proverbial rope of your life is burning through your hands. Meaning as a male, quote unquote, alpha male from Midwest, we didn't have conditioned spaces where it was okay to say, hey, you should get a coach. You should talk to someone. I mean, we did, but we did Let's be real. Because if we did, it was like, oh, dude, you're talking to someone that's kind of weak, bro. Like, what are you doing that? Like, dude, just do more push-ups. Bro, I did this thing. This is all I did. I ate more. I did more push-ups. I woke up earlier. So for me, that's what I started to do. 6 a.m. became 5.30, became 5, became 4.30, became 3.30. And I realized, all right, roger that. I can do this. I can wake up at 3 o'clock, get this work done, go to the gym, Wake up at 4.03, be in the gym at 5.02, be in the shower at 6.01, at the breakfast table at 7 o'clock, ready to take my kids to school. Matter of fact, regardless of situation or circumstance, at 7.30, you should bet your house that Al Hammond is taking his kids to school at 7.34. And I did that for years. And it served me matter of factly and very militantly because I realized that in my brain, or at least I thought, dude, I can't trade all my time for money. I can't be here and work, 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 and then go to the gym and then hope to be here for kids. So I switched my gym from the nighttime in the morning based on the results or the feedback that I got from meeting with that physician because she looked me square in my soul, through my eyes, 
and told me this is not a deal where you can't will yourself through this. This is a deal where you have to force yourself to slow down because you are 11th hour fight or flight all the time. Now I wanna stop right there for a second and speak to the moms that may be listening to this because we know the dads, the alpha males, the, the guys that are going out there, there's a lot of it's that we put that on our shoulders or that's expected of us, but there are a lot of stay-at-home moms, specifically my wife, that do not get the credit for that. And they do the exact same thing that we do and then some. And when I say we, it could be a stay-at-home dad, it doesn't have to be stay-at-home mom or dad, but for the sake of this conversation and real talk, most people don't give the moms credit. The moms are the ones that are waking up in the middle of the night disrupting their sleep patterns to be able to get the kids, the dogs, the insert here, everything they need, and then still getting up and getting the dishes done and the food done and the everything packed and then going to work and then coming home and keeping the glue to the system together. So I don't want to get on that tangent a little bit, but, but shout out to the moms. I'm giving you a little bit of the why behind where I was in my mindset, and I believe that there's quite a few moms that are listening to this that can relate to that. But what I needed to do was really get myself in a position where I could get out of gear, get out of drive and downshift into neutral. And that was very, very challenging for me. Real talk. If you ask me, dude, you're weak. You need to do more pushups. You need to eat more. You need to sleep less. I'll suck that up. That's just an effort issue. I'll go through that in my head. I'll make the negotiations like most of us will, and we'll figure out a way to get it done. You want me to take a day off? You, you, you want me to like, you want me to sleep in? I don't even know how to do that if I tried. And I got to tell you, if I tried to do that, I'm going to be pissed off if I actually learned to sleep in. I do not want to mess with my circadian rhythm. So what I went was on a deep dive of research of who can I figure out has this? Because keep in mind, again, real talk, my mindset at the time was I don't need a coach. I'm not weak. I don't need a counselor. And I correlated coaching, consulting, and counseling with being weak if I'm going to be completely real and transparent. Obviously, my mindset is exponentially different now, but I did not want to go sign up for that at first. So I went to look for, I needed an outline for somebody. And again, you know, those guys that are always like, Hey man, this is what we do. This is how we're successful. So I started podcasting and I started listening to books on tape and diving into the realm of personal development that I didn't know before. And one thing that stuck out to me off the top of my head, two things, actually, one was by the grace of God, I've been gifted and blessed to be able to connect very well with numbers, specifically numbers as it pertains to ROI and business. I, I can see cash flow like most people can just see normal things, and that affords me the ability to just go in a direction. So when it came down to numbers, I realized that the people that I was researching that were successful within their own realms were really maniacal and ninja level in managing the numbers of their year or the numbers of their day. For example, like businesses, you hear like quarterly reviews, you know, so like a CEO or CFO or most organizations that we're associated with are going to have a quarterly review. And the purpose of that is to be able to identify where you're at in comparison to your annual goals and then give yourself three or four touches a year to be able to course correct based on comparison of those results. So surface level, I'm like, dude, if people are doing that in business, and I'm doing that in my business. Like, doesn't it make sense to do that in your personal life? I'm not doing that in my personal life. I'm just looking at like, okay. 
I mean, I'm 260. I want to be 3% body fat, 4% body fat. I need to get down to 250. I look at the metrics in my bank account. Like these are the things that are how I move. This is what I do. But what if I had like an overarching theme or goals or subset of goals that I want to do like like in my business, you want to move your business from, from five to six figures or six to seven figures. You know what you want to do. That's your goal. And then you do quarterly reviews throughout to be able to figure out what you want to do. But what if I did that in my personal life as well? So I started doing that and I did that for probably just over six months. And I realized, hey, I have two and I, I still have that written out assessments of my personal life. I have two assessments that I did to myself and I'm like, yo, this is really working, but I need to be able to do this more like I've only done this twice in half of a year is over. Like, what if I did this more often? And guys, I tell you, like, this isn't some proprietary system that I created that is you can't find on the Internet or you can't talk to somebody else. No, this is a collection of me obsessive, compulsively, analytically analyzing the Ed Milets, the Gary Keller's the gentleman that wrote the one thing, the Brendan Bouchard's, the Craig Ballantyne's, the... James Clear of Atomic Habits of the World. So I took bits and pieces, little gold nuggets. You remember the beginning of this conversation. I said, just take a gold nugget that works for you and apply it from different pieces and different information. So that's what I've done is being able to take that information and compile this into that. I realized that those guys that were really successful throughout their days, again, they're just all over all the time. Like, dude, you have the same 24 hours in the day that I do. Like, how is it that you're in eight different places? You're literally flying across the country and you still have time to be home for family dinner. Well, so number one, how do I get that and take my money? Sign me up for that. So I went looking for that legitimately, not like how is it that they do that, but is it real as well? I want to see the tactical practice because, you know, sometimes you see on social media, you're like, all right, yeah, dude, I see you in front of your Bentley and your private jet, but you also got a team that got you there. And, you know, what are you doing for the next 22 hours of the day after you get done with that photo shoot? Like, is this for real or for real? So I wanted to be able to understand that. So I did a great deal of research and I realized it's simple. These guys are legitimately doing that. But to do that, they own their day. You hear about people owning your day. You got to own your morning. I mean, Craig Valentine literally has like this whole morning routine thing. James Clear with his habit stacking. Ed Milet breaks his days down similar to I do in quarters, things of that nature. So like, okay, that's what they do. But one thing that I realized once I started to just say, okay, dude, I'm already waking up early. I can get up early. I'm good at that. I know how to do that. I've trained my circadian rhythm is I'm not protecting my sleep. If I want to own my day, I got to own my night nobody was talking about that. Nobody was saying, hey, this is what you got to do. And I'm thinking, well, listen, man, these dudes are like, what, how are you living on three hours of sleep? Like, well, you just got IV supplements and what is it that you take to be able to continue to go on? And I realized that some of the secrets, quote unquote, that these influencers or that these folks will share with you are they're going to get you into the 80th and 90th percentile. You know, but there's just that little bit that they're like, maybe they'll keep to themselves or just a little bit of the trade secret to their to their debt. I'm like, listen, that's a critical component because that for me is basically the proverbial starting line. Because if I start in the morning, I, I know, listen, if you're going to prescribe to me when I start and stop, I'll go hard all day long. I just need you to tell me when to stop. Well, there is no stop line to start line of life. You get aside that until God decides that. But you decide when you wake up. You decide when you get to go to bed within those parameters. No one had given me that. There wasn't any training of that. There wasn't, you know, you go to school, you go to whatever your curriculum is to be good at that. 
And I realized through researching this, guys, not some of them, not most of them, all of them, every single one of them was putting themselves in a position, matter of factly, would protect their sleep. So I understood like, okay, well, if it starts there, what else are they doing? And then I created a system, four-quarter operator, basically based on three components, vitals, vision, vehicles. Here's the component, or here's the part where I would probably start to write stuff down for those of you that are note takers, because this is how we can org chart this in your head. And again, this is me literally giving you the information that we go through with consultants and CEOs, folks across the board that they share with their own personal teams or their own teams and then within their own personal lives. So just like you break down where it is that you want to go, a lot of people don't give themselves an actual assessment of where they're at. So when we're talking about, okay, let's say it's January 1st. At the time of this recording, we've got about 45 days until January 1st comes to fruition. Most of us, new year, new me, new everything, awesome, great. This is what we're going to do. Maybe put it in, and I'm not marginalizing that, but we get it. Most of us are going to put ourselves in a position to be able to, hey, let's show up in transition. Off of what? I'm overweight. I want to be here. I'm not earning the amount of money I'm earning. I want to be here. I'm not in a relationship. I want a relationship. That's a low level vital assessment. So when we talk about vitals with our clients, we understand, listen, it's great to understand where you want to be, but we've got to do real with where you're at. And when we talk about where you're at, it's not you versus Al, you versus Dakota. It's not even you versus you. It's a real life assessment that if you were going to essentially grade yourself based on your own metrics, not life's or societal conditions, based on your vision of where you want to be and the all pillars of your life, are you or are you not hitting that? And it's okay if you're not. And moreover, you should be real if you're not. Because if you're fake and you're fickle in this component, it skews everything else. Within this, we discuss the five pillars, financially, physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. Those are essentially five guiding buckets for me as I go through my life. When I say buckets that will help us transition into vision. So vision, vision is probably something, guys, I got to be real. When I first got into the personal development space and the coaching space, I can't tell you how many times I walked around my house spitting out the word vision. I mean, my wife and kids probably still make fun of me to this day for just saying vision. If you follow me on social media, you're probably not going to get a social post without the word vision in it. It's just, it's something that's near and dear to my heart. Dude, it just works. But when we talk about vision, how do we understand what vision is if we don't give a finite assessment or understanding of the word vision? You know, and what does vision mean to me? Is it subjective to perspective? For the sake of this conversation, we want to differentiate vision and goals. Vision meaning, imagine this. Imagine you are raising a glass, champagne, apple juice, grape juice, I don't care, insert whatever here, and you're raising a glass to your significant other, husband, wife, at the end of this year on December 31st, and you raise that glass and you say, by the grace of God and the sweat of our brow, this is what we were able to accomplish. What is this? And when I say this, it doesn't have to be a tangible measure. It doesn't necessarily, and it can be, it can be 
a new tax bracket. It could be a new house. It can be a new car. It can be a new lifestyle. It doesn't have to be. It can be a new relationship. It can be a new perspective on debt. It can be a litany of things. But the point is, is to be able to take some time to really understand where you want to be within each one of those respective pillars. Because here's the thing, guys, if we don't, life's going to tell us exactly where we're going to be. Whether we wake up in the morning or not, that whole live your life by design, never default thing is real. When you wake up and you're going to the coffee maker just because you didn't get enough sleep at night and you've got to be able to have the caffeine to be able to get you going, to be able to make the lunches, to be able to get the kids to school, to be able to get to the board meeting, to be able to get to lunch, to be able to not fall asleep by two or three o'clock in the afternoon because you're already dragging ass to be able to get home at five or six to hope you get dinner, to be able to get to soccer practice, to be able to get back. That's your system. Good, bad, or indifferent. That is a system. There is a way that you can control your controllables within that system, but you've got to identify what that looks like. And you do that through the identification of your vision relative to each one of those perspective pillars. One of the main exercises that we do with that is put it on paper. Very simple exercise called Big Rocks, Little Rocks. So if you think about your life in 2022, let's just think about one pillar which is very easy for folks to connect with on a tangible level. You know, I say that, you know, spiritually and emotionally are some things that you got to dig into, kind of peel back the onion a little bit from a psychological perspective before folks tentatively initially start to open up for that. But most folks are happy with understanding and having conversations about the financial component because they either know exactly where they're at or know exactly where they want to be. So when we talk about this big rock, little rock, bucket, so to speak, of your financial component. If you were to break your year down into quarters, and again, that's just how my analytical brain works. There seems to be a theme here with this four quarter operating system. We're going to go ahead and continue to break stuff down by quarters. If you break your year down by quarters and you say, for example, in this year, I want to earn a million dollars. In theory, each one of those, your bucket should have four $250,000 big rocks in it. And then that satisfies that quote-unquote goal or that quote-unquote vision for that. And this could be $50,000. It could be $100,000. It doesn't have to be a million dollars. But for the sake of conversation, we'll just keep it easy. We'll do that. Outside of that, now you have little rocks. We're going to fill the rest of your time with earning revenue from what? Well, a lot of people stop right there. I don't have any additional time to fill. And if I did, I wouldn't even know what I want to do. Right? Because you know you don't have any time to practice thinking. What do you mean practice thinking? Yeah, that whole 15-minute tangent that I went on about how we like to practice thinking. But what would it look like if you had available time in your schedule where you could just think on, hey, listen, I've got a schedule and a system and a structure that's going to earn me that $5,000 a year. Maybe it's not $100 or a million. $5,000 a year. What are you going to do? And you do the same thing. Big rock, little rocks in your personal life. What does that vision look like? So for me personally, one of the things that is important to us is in my personal life, Date nights, you know, so my little rocks are congruent with my big rocks, which are congruent with my overarching vision. So what does that mean? So for example, I have three kids and one wife by the grace of God. Ideally in a perfect world, every Friday or Saturday night, I get a one-on-one date night with Asher, a one-on-one date night with Sophia, one-on-one date night with Kim, and one-on-one date night with Rachel. Not saying that we don't do things as a family throughout that, 
but those are my prescribed little rocks. I now have time that is protected within that. I start, again, as a family, family vacations are a goal, objectively, COVID aside, schedules aside, everything aside is to be able, and we actually do this at the end of November. So this is coming up for our family, for me as a Hammond household, House of Hammond organization, and we like to take vacation once a quarter. Now, it doesn't have to be grandiose two to three week vacation. We do something a little bit bigger at spring break and something a little bit bigger at Christmas. But those other two quarters, we're still getting three to five day vacations in, and those are little touches for us to come up, appreciate the fruits of our labor, course correct, realize, get our mindset back where we're at. If I don't plan with my schedule, my wife's schedule, Sophia's dance schedule, Asher's soccer schedule, the kid's school schedule, if I don't plan matter-of-factly that I want, we want these vacations to be on these specific dates, how do you think I'm going to be able to take a two-week vacation in the middle of December and go to Disney? And if I can somehow, by the grace of God, figure out how to do that, is it an unrealistic expectation to think that I'm actually going to be able to be at Disney? Or I'm going to be on the phone answering emails and phone calls and responding to everything else because I just said to hell with it. I deserve a vacation. I'm going out and I'll figure out everything else on the back end. Or did I strategically plan that Disney vacation in November of last year and enroll my staff, my vendors, my subcontractors throughout the year that this is where we're going to be? And as such, this is the level of expectation that you can expect from me while I'm at Disney. Anything you need from me prior to, let's make sure that we tackle it. And there's things that we'll talk about, but that is the premise of vision is understanding exactly how you want to live your life. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be able to live your life absolutely unequivocally the way you want it. And everyone else is going to bow down and just, it's going to be perfect and great. But why can't you fall just short of that? Why can't you try to make it to where, how you want to live your life to the best of your ability, control your controllables. When I say you want to live your life, I'm not talking about, For those of you with the analytical brain that are going to go, well, I can't control this and I can't control that. We're talking about what is within the realm of your control. Third and final piece to that is vehicles. Once we have an understanding of where we're at, that's the vitals and where we want to go. That's the visions. The vehicles are what gives us the ability and affords us the ability to connect the gap. And the ability to connect the gap is done, the intensity is done, the timeline. Meaning, let's go to the physical pillar. So for example, January 1 is coming up. Most people very easily and tangibly can quantify a physical pillar or a physical drop. Most people are going to say, hey, I'm 250 pounds. I want to be 230 pounds. And they're going to come into January 1, New Year, that whole mindset. How are you doing that? What are your big rocks and little rocks to be able to do that? What are you putting in your day? Do you have meal prep on Sunday nights? Are you just hoping that you're going to wake up on Monday and be able to eat well because you all of a sudden you have an intention and your commitment may be ramped up, but you didn't do anything with your structure and order, and you sure shit didn't change any of your systems. Dance practice stays the same. Soccer practice stays the same. You still got to be at the office at nine o'clock. None of that changed, but your intention changed and your commitment changed, but you didn't change anything else around it. That's the vehicles. That's implementing a system that works with you currently where you're at and meets you where you're at, whether you're self-employed or you work with an organization to take you to where you want to be, allows you to understand your daily highs, lows, and buffaloes, meaning life isn't always going to be buffaloes, meaning something that comes at you unexpectedly. It gives you the ability to be able to understand, I've got a system for this and a structure for this. I say all of that to say that 
is the preface and the premise for the four quarter operating system. Let's dive into the what, what actually is the four quarter operating system. So at the low level is time blocking. For those of you that are familiar with time blocking, again, this isn't rocket science. This isn't something that's like, oh, this guy's better in system and this and like, this is Nike and Adidas. If you wear an Adidas shoe and you love it, wear the Adidas shoe, do the best that you can do with it. And if you wear a Nike shoe, wear the Nike shoe and do the best that you can do with it. If this makes no sense to you, do the best that you can do with it. But if you take one piece of this, this is the part. Me, in, on, we. Those are my four quarters. Me, in, on, we. So my four quarter operating system is not the same as Dakota's. It's not gonna be the same as yours. Those four buckets are four critical, integral, non-negotiable components of my life that I've already decided. They don't have to align with yours. You get to decide what those are for you as we go through this. My timelines relative to my quarters don't have to align with yours. Oftentimes what happens is, is I'll give a speech or I'll seminar or a Zoom meeting and I can see it. I'll see you'll we'll have 150, 170 people on and we'll have conversations leading up to it, much like we are now. And comments are coming in. How do I do this? How do I do that? This is awesome. This is great. And then we get into the dive into the details as associated with my system on how I run my system for my day. And I literally see people start to fall off. Oh, I can't do that because I work for someone or whatever the belief system or victim statement is. Believe me when I tell you, you can. Dakota will also speak to that because he works with and for someone and also runs a six-figure organization, also has a 14-month-old daughter and a brand new wife as well. So it can be done. It's just being the ability and learning how to allow your system to afford you the ability to play Tetris with your time. Me, in, on, we. I got those four buckets that I'm going to hit every single day by the grace of God and the sweat of my brow. They are not always in that same order, but for the sake of this conversation and getting my point across, this is what we'll move forward with. When I say me, me is the time when I show up to the world and I focus on me. So for me, that time is 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. Again, Breaking this down into four, four-hour quarters, relatively easy for folks to wrap their heads around. It doesn't mean you got to wake up at four. It doesn't mean it's got to be four hours. This is just for the sake of this conversation, what works for me. The whole purpose of your me time is to be able to fill your cup. As adults, think about the last time that you've taken an opportunity to better yourself, to fill your cup physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. I mean, occasionally, randomly, my wife will get her nails done, she'll get a massage, she'll do something. But outside of that, there's not a lot of the daily doses of intentionality to be able to afford her the ability to sharpen her saw and fill her cup. Or was it until we put a system and a structure in place to be able to back that? Same thing for me. When I realized as the head of the household, I allowed myself to, my wife allows me to consider me to be that while she's certainly the neck that controls the head. I say that to say, as the proverbial head of the household, as the president of Hammond Homes, on and on and on, these roles and responsibilities, you pick up this belief system that, listen, and it's the reality of the situation. If I don't do it, no one's going to do it. 
So you do it, you do it, you do it. And then you, like we shared earlier, you put yourself in a position where you're just constantly going and you're on the go. How can you show up for your kids, for your wife, for your husband, or for the world if you're constantly triggered? I say this for me and to be completely transparent, guys, there was a time in my multiple years, I don't even want to say a timeline, multiple years in my life. And there are several people listening to this right now that I know that can attest to this. Whereas I walked around and I was literally coined angry out. Like that was some kind of cool ass nickname or something. And it wasn't. It's a dumb nickname. I don't even like it. But that's because I walked around in a state of triggered, always got to do this reactivity all the time, always the 11th hour. And I didn't afford myself the ability to live within my truth because my heart wanted to have some of the conversations that I wanted to have. But my ROI brain says, I don't have time for this. I got to be able to do this. I got 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 to do that. And then I would process and replay the film and say, man, I didn't show up for this person that way. Or I barked at this person and I snapped at that person. Or I should have been there to help my son ride his bike or any of that shit. And then the next thing you know, you wake up and you do it again. And again and again. Imagine what it would be like if you woke up and filled your cup first. Now, the world is going to tell you you're selfish for doing that. Okay, do it second. Do it, do it last. But do it every single day. For me, based on the timeline that works with our relative home, my wife and kids don't wake up till about 6 or 6.30, so I'm not necessarily missing a lot when I wake up at 4. First thing I do is be able to give myself some alone time, my first 15 minutes. Give myself, and I know this is going to sound cheesy, to go through some gratitude. Because as a human, our human brains are subconsciously wired to find the problems. All we want to do is live. Years and years and years ago, we're worried about saber-toothed tigers and things of that nature. It's the first thing that, I don't know about you guys, but one of the first things in my mind used to do was immediately search when I woke up for the problems. I got to do this today. I got this meeting. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. So I can have a fickle sense of control and feel like, okay, I got to do this. Secondly, Based on said problems or results, I would immediately go into emails. Well, before I get to the gym, I'm going to be able to get these emails off. I'm going to fire out the emails. And the next thing you know, I get a response email and it pisses me off. And now I'm not in the gym because I got to respond to this. How many times has that happened? Why the intention? Remember, we talked about the intention and the commitment based on you guys that are coming out January 1 with that new intention and that new commitment. Well, I had that intention and that commitment, but my structure of my systems didn't roll. They were incongruent. So now I put myself in a position where I show up for me and I fill my cup first. This is when I go to the gym. So I'm checking that proverbial physical pillar. I used to go to the gym candidly, guys, and just rage. I used to put in like some Eminem or like some I hate the world music, crazy, whatever, and just, you know, rock out. I don't do that anymore. I listen to them. Not that there's bad. Do that if you have a day, whatever. But I'm strategically working in a dual capacity, sharpening both my physical and mental pillar as I'm also listening to a podcast or an audible. If I want to learn a new language, if I want to research somebody else that's growing their organization and feel like, how did they do that? This is the time where I give myself time to do that. And candidly, my mind is still not in a position where I enjoy reading. I enjoy the fruits of reading, but I don't enjoy slowing down to read. Even when I listen to Audible, it's on two times because I need some of these authors to really hurry up and time off some of their points. Point being is, is I would never put myself in a position where I could read the 22 books that I read this year. And I didn't even try to read books this year or, or read, quote unquote, audiobooks. It was just listening through them and cardio after my rate training session in the morning. Imagine the information that I learned. 
the information that I learned helped me piece together this four-quarter operating system. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Driven Few with Al Hamid. If you love what you heard, and I know that you did, please follow us on Apple and Spotify and leave us that 10-star review. All right, if you can't find 10, we will gladly accept that five-star review. You can also connect with me, Al Hamid, on both Instagram and Facebook. Al Hamid, H-A, M is in Mary, E is in Edward, D is in Diesel. And as always, don't forget to subscribe and like. Thank you.